Hi, guys. Welcome to Season 3 of the Same 24 Hours Podcast. Oh, you didn't know Season 2 was over? Well, I didn't really either, but there was a big pause, and it was for good reason, because we moved from Atlanta to Overland Park, Kansas in January, and then five and a half months later, we moved to Massachusetts. (laughs) So I'm officially recording here in the home studio in Massachusetts, which is interesting because when I say home studio, let me give you some perspective on this. We have a 1960s house, which has original hardwoods. It's beautiful. It's also very quirky. And I realize it is an echo chamber. (laughs) Everywhere I tried to test audio, it's bouncing off the walls. So I am upstairs in my bedroom on carpet that is like covering the floor, like just an area rug with pillows surrounding me with the the shades pulled down and with anything fluffy I can find. So this is my home studio for now (laughs) until I get things a little bit more settled. But welcome to season three. This is going to be an epic, epic six months, you guys, of podcast, of everything in the life of Meredith Atwood, because my second book is coming out in December. So the lead up to December 17th is what season three is all about. It's also about stepping into my truth and stepping into who I am. And I feel like something has shifted in me and I have turned that corner big time. And it might have to do with the fact that I'm turning 40 (laughs) because I've talked to a lot of women and they're like, oh yeah, when you turn 40, everything changes and you're who you were meant to be. So I'm looking forward to that. I turned 40 in November. My second book comes out in December, and then we'll be off to the proverbial races. But I want you guys to be super excited about today's guest. Her name is Stacy Burr, and she goes by Bama on Instagram. Bama Burr, you'll find her on Instagram. She is the number one all-time world record holder for powerlifting And she owns Bama Brick Squad Training. Now, when we talk about powerlifting, we talk about this in the podcast, but that's the three lifts of deadlift, bench press, and squat. So to give you a little perspective, her back squat was 565. Her bench press was 320 pounds, and her deadlift was 550. So that's a lot of weight, you guys. (laughs) But what's even cooler about Bama is that she has this incredible mindset. She has the belief that she is going to be exactly who she sets out to be, that she will hit whatever goal she sets forward in her life. And I love that. I operate, and we talk about this too. This is a long podcast. You guys, if you got a long run or a ride or you're just in the car, this will be the one. But we talk about why we differ <laughs> and only in a matter of degrees on why she believes she's going to be X and why I believe, but I'm having a hard time saying I'm going to be Y. And, but yet at the same time, we have this drive and this belief that we're going to be something big and something better. And there is great fear in professing that. There is great fear in professing that we want to be something more than we are, that we want our bodies to look a different way, that we want to excel in a certain sport, that we want to have a job that is huge, that we want to impact people, that we want to be rich so we can donate a ton of money to causes that really matter to us. All these things have a certain taboo behind them. And Stacy is not afraid to like crack that wide open. And so I love that about her. So you guys go follow her on Instagram, even if weightlifters and bodybuilders and that kind of stuff is not your quote cup of tea, you're going to find a lot of inspiration in the way that she is authentically who she is. And she stands in that truth. And those, my friends, are my kind of people. 
Those are the people I want to be around, even if they're totally different than me. And I don't necessarily think that Bama is any different. I mean, she's a world record powerlifting champion, but (laughs) she's my kind of people is all I'm saying. But even when people are not your kind of people, and she's not everyone's cup of tea, just like I'm not everyone's cup of tea. But you can look at her and you can read her words and you can listen to her on her Instagram stories and you can see what it takes to be a champion. And you can take her principles and her mindset training and you can apply it to whatever your dream is and whatever you want to be. So that's why I invited Stacy on the show. And I'm thankful of my friend Elaine Mills in Atlanta. Um, met her about a year ago. We got our one year friendship. But she introduced me to Bama on Instagram, and I will never be the same. So lots of great stuff in this episode. If you really need to get pumped up, this is your show. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success. everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. Today's guest is awesome. I'm so excited. Stacy Bama Burr is here. Yo. Hey, hey. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I am so excited to talk to you. So I have to tell you, um, I met a friend a couple, gosh, I guess it's been a year ago. And she I met her at an Olympic weightlifting clinic. And we became fast friends. And she was like, do you follow Bama? I'm like, like, Alabama? What Bama? <laughs> roll Tide. Yeah, Roll Tide. <laughs> She's like, Bama. And I'm like, okay, no, but I will, you know. And so she introduced me to you about a year ago, or you to me. I don't know how that works. But about a year ago, and I started following you. And during that time, you became the greatest in the world. And, and even just, I just love you. So thank you Aww. for taking the time. And um, we're, we're in different sports, but have similar, you know, crossover. And so it's really cool. And um, absolutely. So. I mean, and I think that's one thing that a lot of people, you know, I power lift, right? That's my, been my sport of specialty that I chose, you know, but Really, honestly, I've done a lot. I've delved into a lot of different worlds and I work with a lot of different athletes and people. And I think that's the root of all of us is we're all the same. We're all in it for the same reasons. And regardless of what sport it is or, you know, what federation you compete in or anything like that, you know, this is what we do is beyond just boundaries of sports or boundaries of walls. There aren't anything because we're all in it together for, you know, betterment of ourselves. We're just trying to be the best versions of ourselves as possible. And so what I want to do and part of the, you know, champion mindset that I'm trying to spread is that reminding everybody, it doesn't matter what you do, where you can always be supportive of each other and help each other out. And that's really the main thing. And the main thing that I promote is just to positivity and the power of personal development, personal growth, because that affects you and not only you, but everybody around you. And that's not dependent on what sport you compete in or anything like that, because we're all in it together. And so that's just really cool that how you got introduced to me in the first place is Bama character yeah. was, well, you it was know, mindset. Cause Elaine, her name yeah. was Elaine Mills. And okay. I, I, I was, she was like, can I please interview Bama? I was like, uh, no. 
Nope, I'm going to take that one. Because, like, you think nothing is, like, off the table. Like, she's, she would, she terrifies me. And I love her. She's one of my favorite (laughs) people. But I'm like, no, you can't interview. No, I have, you know. But anyways, but she sent me a list of, like, 40 questions. She's like, here are questions for her. And I was like. Okay, perfect. I got got an inside scoop in. She's been following you forever. But, um, yeah, she was like, you have to follow Bama because of the mindset. And I, you know, I was a, I'm a former Olympic weightlifter, like back in the day, a hundred years ago, and then went into triathlon and, and doing all these different things, different worlds. Mindset is it. It's the key to everything. It's I don't it. care what sport it is. I'd be the best at it. And I say that not as, you know, a horn toot thing. This is something that a lot of people haven't really, when I first got into powerlifting, I first got into, I've been a competitive athlete for my entire life. Like not genetically gifted or talented, but I always found myself, I wanted to compete. I wanted to be in some kind of sport and I'd find myself, I was the leader. I just always became the leader of the team, the leader of the pack. You know, if it was playing recreation softball or recreation basketball, I love to compete and I love to help lead, you know, people to a team. And so as I, you know, I played college ball, I played college softball, you know, and I ended up developing being the team leader, but I was so competitive. Like our team was going to win no matter what we were going to come in. We were the best. You know, I was one that I wrote notes to like my um to my teammates, right? I wrote notes. I wrote I, everybody. We were the chain links. Like we were the pieces of the team, and like I put the team together. I assembled them, and it's just like when you do things like that, you know what you bring to the table. So like being competitive and being an athlete, that's been something that's really driven me to develop this mindset and just this competitive outlet. Because when you see it outwardly, it's like. Some people take it as cockiness. Some people say, oh, well, Stacey said she could be the best at any sport. That's just so arrogant of her. That's so cocky of her. But it's really not. That's the mindset and the mentality of a champion. A champion knows that they will do what it takes to be the best, regardless of what it is. I could not know anything about a specific topic, know nothing about it. But if you tell me, you know, that's if I wanted to do it, if I wanted to pursue it, I can, I am, I will, and I will be the best at it because I know that I would do the work required, no matter if it's research, no matter what it is, you know, experience doing the hard stuff that nobody wants to do. I would be willing to do it. And that's my mindset. That's what I'm saying that we're all capable of doing that, you know, that it's that's the mindset. That's the key to everything. Olympic weightlifting. Like, where did you get it? And I I know you can cultivate it, but you you had it right. I can see like little Bama at four. Yep. You Little were like winning at blocks or whatever. <sighs> Honestly, you want to know the yeah. <laughs> funny thing? Here it is. I wasn't. No. I wasn't. Yeah. I can't tell you. You want me to tell you that where did I exactly, where did I develop this characteristic? Yes. Where did it turn I'm not, on if you didn't have it? I'm not sure where exactly it started to pinpoint, but I will tell you it wasn't always there. Whenever I was a kid growing up, I was just, I was picked on. I was the fat kid. Um, I grew up, I had glasses. I was fat. Like, uh, sometimes I did weird things with my hair. Like, I got laughed at a ton. I mean, nobody, like... weird things with your hair? What does that mean? Once upon a time, oh my God, I'll find pictures of this. Like, I told my mom, I was like, hey mom, I want to bleach my bangs blonde. I have never told this story to anyone (laughs) out in public. I want to bleach my bangs blonde. And she was like, um, that's not going to look good, Stacey, but okay, I'll do it. Because my mom was a hairstylist. And I was like, she was like, okay, we did it. 
and I rocked it, man. I loved it. I looked, I was fat, like I was overweight uh, kid, you know, oh just God. like little heavy Stacy, but I had bleach blonde bangs. Dude, I, was I have the a weirdo. bang story, Stacy. I have no, do one. You? I have tell one. Me, tell me. So Did mine it. is, I was in third grade. What, so when did you get the, how old are you? I think this was fourth grade. I okay. think that was my blonde, my blonde bang stage. And how old are you? Oh, uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. A roly poly. <laughs> I have no idea. No, no, no. But how old are you now? I'm 27 now. Oh, so you're a baby. Okay. So we, this was not the same <laughs> decade. So I, this was the eighties and, um, everyone had perms and my mom, for some reason was like, you cannot get a perm, but you can perm your bangs. And <laughs> so she let me perm my bangs in third grade. <laughs> and I, I mean, so like the fact that you bleached your bangs blonde and then like, but the fact that both of our mothers approved it, that this was an okay <laughs> idea. Like my mom was like, that's not going to look good, but let's do it anyway. Like, okay guys, you know what? That's great parenting. I'm not, I'm not a parent. I never planned to be a parent, but that's great parenting because it's right. like, this is a bad idea, but you know what? You need some experience with bad ideas and how they're going to play out in your life. And you just rock them. You know, I remember <laughs> like, I had my little pick because yeah. you had to have a pick for your perm. And, and oh, I was just like, picking my bangs. I mean, just feeling very proud. But I think it's funny, like a decade later, you came along here. I perm With another bad idea. Later. Yeah, with another <laughs> bad idea. I mean, I have no idea. So back to me being a fat weirdo kid yeah. um, with blonde bangs. I just, I was always different. I was always different. And then obviously in South Carolina, what I, what I ended up being, like I was just, I was a blob. I wasn't confident about anything. I had an older sister that was perfect, right? Like I was the youngest, uh, I was the youngest. It was just me and my sister. My sister was perfect. I mean, she was the smart one. You know, she was like the athletic one. She was the one that shined and I was always Shannon's little sister. My sister's name is Shannon. I was like Shannon's little sister. I didn't even have a name. Like, and that was one thing about me. I didn't really have an identity. I felt like I was just kind of like the fat, weird kid, whatever. I was really likable in person, but it was hard to really get to know me because there's always this stigma. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I felt like there were these boundaries, barriers. And honestly, this is really where I found the gym. Like, you know, I had problems, issues in my home life too. I was always just I was never assertive enough. I was never, I'd always take the blame for things. I would always just be the quiet, soft-spoken one that anybody could just say or do anything to and I'd take it, right? That was always me. I didn't have a voice. And so I ended up finding myself in the gym. Like, I don't really know how I got there, came to it, but there was this little home gym on our property. And like anytime like home life wasn't going like it should, I'd go out to that little gym and I just get in there and train. It was like one of those little like weight benches and, you know, with mm-hmm. a lap pull down on the end, a leg extension. It was one of those. Like, that's what we're talking about here. And I just go in and I just move weight. I had no idea what I was doing or anything like this. I was young, but I just go in there and I just do it till I couldn't do it anymore. I got this is the first I, you know, I get pinned on bench presses and stuff and figure <laughs> out like I'm out here by myself, you know, in the middle of South Carolina. By myself. Dump weights. Yep. I figured out how to survive. Like, you know, I figured out how to push myself to a point where I physically couldn't do anything anymore, but I know I gave it everything. And then I'd figure out just like our blonde bangs or our perm bangs, you figure out what to do when you get there. You make a mistake. Oops, can't go anymore. But I'd figure out how to correct it. Right. So I'd figure out and I made myself stronger and stronger to the point where I could always do more, build more, be more. Then my dad, you know, he saw me training. He's like, well, I'm going to like finagle with this like gym owner and I'm going to do some work for him and maybe he'll give you a gym membership. Right. Like my family didn't have a ton of money. So it was kind of like, it was one of those guys, it was a bartering event. Mm-hmm. Right. So my first gym membership to a real gym was a bartering kind of situation. My dad did some work for the gym owner and I ended up in the gym and I just ended up going and I found myself going consistently. And like, 
I wasn't bad anymore. Like I slowly figured out how to any undo these problems, right? The problem that I had, I didn't have any confidence. I didn't have any identity. I didn't feel like I was good at anything like that. I didn't have that. And so I'd go in the gym and I'd just get better. Like I'd get better, not just from a sense of lifting weights, but lifting the weights made me realize the more effort I applied to doing something, a set task or target, the better I'd get at it, right? So all these mm-hmm. things that I lacked as, you know, I wasn't confident. I didn't, you know, know how to do any of this kind of stuff. And I was just, uh, I didn't have any experience with anything. I was just, you know, naive, young. And I realized that all I had to do with any situation, set, task, topic was apply myself, do the work, and I would get better. I would get stronger and I would be able to overcome these things, right? And so somewhere between here and there, I just kept doing it. Like if anything wasn't going right in my life, because I mean, we all have stuff that we've been through and whatever, but anytime anything wasn't going right, I would make sure I dedicated that time to myself every day to get myself better. Even if it was just underneath the barbell by me moving the weight and doing more than I previously could, or, you know, accomplishing something better than what I previously could, I'd know that I was putting effort in into myself. And so that really somewhere in between that, that made me understand my value. That made me understand my value and just really develop these like leadership qualities that like have made me who I am today. Like it's because I was, I was like weak before I was strong. I was like insecure and not confident before I was so confident. This mindset is something that like I had to have in order to get where I, you know, to reach the level that I got in powerlifting, but also to reach the level of like myself in life. I've always been different. I've always been different and it's it's not always been appreciated, you know, being myself, <laughs> it being still isn't always right. No, I mean yeah. honestly, but I re- once you understand your value, I really have no idea where the first part of this conversation was about. But this is how <laughs> I am, and I just from and here it's but, good. Well, here it is. We're yeah. going with it. But it's like honestly, I've always been different. I grew up in South Carolina. I was different. I did my bangs blonde. I was always a little weird. I was the first kid that got tattoos. You know, I was like. The first one, one of the ones that was first openly gay in South Carolina in my area and people, that's a shocker. Like, yeah. Well, I grew think, up in Georgia, uh, so I'm with you. Well, I mean, a lot of people don't, like, this is something for them that I think I realized when I moved to Gainesville, Florida um, recently, people don't understand what it's like to be in the South. Like, and I, I love South Carolina. I absolutely, that's my home state. I love the South. I love a lot of things about it. But this is something that's just a little bit different for people to understand is it's not the same world in South Carolina as it is in Florida, as it is in California, as it is in different parts of the state or in the United States. It's a little bit different. So my experiences here, I wasn't able to actually 100 percent be myself and flourish until I got out of like the environment that held me back because I've always just been so different. And I haven't been appreciated. You know, I've been kicked out of gyms left and right in South Carolina because I was too loud. I was too aggressive. I mean, I was just not your typical fit chick Zumba mom with, you know, fake titties. I mean, that wasn't me. And you were lifting too much weight and making the men look bad. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like, and so it's a problem, right? I was a problem. But instead of being so upset, triggered and hurt by it and trying to change myself, one thing I've always been is true to myself. And so that for me, the lifting weights and that stuff that's the stuff that saves me and has developed to me to be who I am. So if you tell me I can't do it, I will do it. I will continue to do it. I will just build my own place. So that's what I did. I built my own space to do what I wanted to do, regardless of where I was or who I was with or, 
you know, what kind of, it doesn't matter who I was, what color I am, what sexuality I represent. All that matters is I'm trying to better myself. I'm trying to put in this work and you're not going to stop me. Nothing has ever stopped me. And that's the thing. I can't tell you where that happened because once I realized how capable and powerful I was, there was some kind of shift. I'm not exactly sure when it was, but when I realized that, my goal now is just to reach as many people, help as many people actually understand and be able to turn that on. Because had I had someone like me in my ear, you know, able to listen to a podcast for like somebody telling me, Stacey, you can do this. I never had that. Like I never had the support. Oh man. I never had the support of like people just there being so much information out there on how to do this stuff. Right. Like I had to figure out how to do it myself. Right. I had to figure out how to open a business. Like I've had to figure out how to get out of South Carolina. I got to figure out how to deal with not being broke anymore. Cause like, you know, there are all kinds of boundaries and things that like hold you back and you don't realize they hold you back. But I had to figure out how to do this by myself with the help of some good friends that I found and developed over time. I had to find, find them. I had to seek it out. I had to seek out that energy that matched mine instead of worrying about people around me in my area that like were trying to hold me back from growing to be who I was. I just decided to go where I could grow and just be myself. And that's where this whole tour to Bama came from, where that's where all <laughs> everything has come from right. is me finding a way to grow and develop and be myself at all costs. And while I did that in the past year, I did it while achieving my longtime powerlifting goal, you know, becoming the number one best in the world with all time Wilkes. But that's what people saw for the most part, me as an athlete. But they didn't see everything else that I'm trying to do as well. That was just proof to the point that you right. can do and be anything that you choose or want to be at any moment in time. Right. I said, I'm not built to do that. I'm not built to be the best power lifter in the world. I'm not like, my, you know, genetically speaking. I mean, I've got a couple shortcomings. If you've ever seen my dad or if ever you've ever seen my if you've ever seen my calves, you'll know I'm not a genetic anomaly over here. <laughs> but it's one of those things that just regardless of what it is, I set out a goal and I said I was going to do it. At all costs, mm -hmm. I did. I removed myself. And now I'm trying to take that and build with it to make you guys believe, like right. make everyone believe and understand that if you just put a little bit of faith in yourself, like everybody looks to other people for this help, guidance, whatever. And they believe in other people so much. Like people come up to me and say, you're so strong. And I'm like, and so are you. And they're like, nah, I'm not how can you believe in me like this and not believe in yourself for five minutes? Like, give me five seconds, even like, give me five seconds of complete and sheer belief in yourself and apply that every day for the rest of your life. And it's going to get better, right. right? Like, how can you believe in someone else or someone else's goals so hard? But then I ask people, why are you not where you want to be? And they say they're scared because they don't know if they can, they don't believe in themselves. And that's what I'm trying to eradicate. I'm trying to get rid of this doubt. And like that doesn't even have to deal with powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting. That doesn't even have to deal with sports. Yeah, for sure. That's where it all came from, originated from. But it's like this is even bigger than what I realized when I was doing it. You know, right. I knew my goal whenever I set out to become the best powerlifter in the world. And I played my cards right. I played every avenue that I had to. I lived with my coach. I, I gave up everything right to do this job. But honestly, it's like this was even more than what I even realized. Like I knew that I was going to change the world. I knew that by doing this and like in the powerlifting realm, 
I knew that I was going to change the world and change the way people looked and viewed at things. But I had no idea what I was really doing. I mean, I had no, it's so much bigger than that. Like this is something that is a huge problem in the world. And like, not just in our local area, not just, this is something that people lack confidence. People don't believe people just doubt so easy. so quick, like immediately. And I want, to eliminate all doubt, never leave any doubt. And I want to build people so they know that they can do that. I love that. I love that. So let's, let's do a little role playing. Um, my name is Sally and I don't believe that I can ever lose this weight and be a ballerina. I have wanted to be a ballerina my whole life and I am 70 pounds overweight and I don't believe that I can achieve this goal, even though I really want it. What do I do? <laughs> okay. Well, first, hey, Sally, I'm Stacy. It's nice to meet you. I'm glad that we're talking today because I appreciate you because you always make sure people know how valuable they are. Because guess what? One thing that I've always like every interaction I have, I want to ask you what your name is. I want to remember what your name is because I want you to know that I care about you, at least for right here and now. I care about this conversation, this interaction, and this is what my focus is right now. Because sometimes people don't have that. People don't, people, you know, people throughout the day, we have no idea. You might be the only interaction where somebody actually says their name, pays them attention, asks them how their day was. So Sally, I just want to first say thank you for talking to me. And that's always number one, whenever you're talking or interacting with anybody. Mm -hmm. But uh, so what we're going to do, first, we're going to identify the problem. Sally, why don't, you know, what are, what's our problem? What is holding us back? So Sally, what's holding us back? Um, I can't lose weight. So what's the problem there? Let's break it down more. Why can't you lose weight? What's your dieting like? What are your eating habits? Well, I think that I have, I think it's not my fault. Okay. Do you, have you gone to a physician? Do you have any kind of clearance or checked out? They don't have any problems, but I just don't think it's my fault. I I think, I think I, I, it's a, it's a problem. Like, okay, for sure. Sally. It's, you don't know what it is, but you're definitely not the cause of it, right? You're definitely not the cause of it. So I want you to take that. I want you to ball that thought up and throw it out the window. And guess what, Sally? It's your fault. What? <laughs> what? What? Yes, I w- I'm true with people. I'm honest with people because here's the problem. A lot of people in this world, they're trying to sell you something. They're trying to let, make you bite on something, right? They're yeah. not going to tell you the truth. They're going to tell you what you need to hear. They're going to pet you and tell you you're pretty. And then they're going to say, Sally, why don't you try my diet pill? You know, because guess what? I get a 15% off promo code back and my diet pill works. So Sally, just try my promo code and my my diet pill and you'll lose the weight. Don't worry about it. It's not your fault. But watch this. This is magic. Nah, Sally, it's your fault. And here's what we need to do. You first have to accept the responsibility and the accountability that this is your fault. Because when you accept fault for doing something wrong, you can understand that there's a way to make it better. If you accept fault and you accept that this is something that you have created, this is a problem that you have created, you understand you have the capability 100% to make this problem go away. Because what we're going to do is address the problem. The Mm -hmm. problem is you don't prioritize your time well enough, Sally, because you don't meal prep. You don't plan ahead and you don't list out what you're eating or even think about it consciously. So I think what we need to do is break down what you're eating on a daily basis and really reverse the operations of your your daily habits, how you eat, what you do, how you prioritize your time. And that all has to do with you, Sally. It kind of is your fault. And what we can do is accept that and then address the problems from there. Because once you realize that it is your fault and you have the capability to change 
things yeah. that are in your life. Because here's the thing, when we don't accept responsibility, which a lot of people don't, they, it's always, it's so easy to blame someone else because, you know, if I, I'm an athlete, right? So when I was, you know, competing at the Arnold, I was living with my coach, uh, Trevor Jaffe, who is an absolute angel, but I was living with him. And one of my final, like heaviest deadlift days, I missed the pool, right? It wasn't my fault. It was Trevor's fault. It was a hundred percent Trevor's fault. I was, you know, I got in a pouty mood or whatever. I was mad. I was like, you know, somehow, some way, shape, form, this is his fault. And I sat like that for about two minutes and pouted. And I was like, you know what, Stacey, this is your fault. This is a hundred percent your fault because anytime you're pointing at someone else, you know, it's the typical, they're, you know, four fingers pointing back at you. Right. I mean, it's true. I mean, it's right. true. Anytime you're trying to blame someone else, blame yourself for putting yourself in that situation because it could be true that it might not be a hundred percent your fault, whatever it is. You know, there are situations that happen that aren't exactly a hundred percent your fault, but it's a hundred percent your responsibility to fix that problem there and put yourself in better situations, give yourself better opportunities. So at the end of the day, whatever it is, if we're complaining, oh, well, I've got 12 kids. Okay. Well, that's something. It's not a surprise. This is something that's been there for a minute. So it's up to you to figure out how to make it work. Right. You have to adapt to the situation and adjust. And so Sally, what I think we need to do is address the problem is that at the base of this problem, we need to work on your daily habits. We need to work on the things that you're doing every single day, because those are going to be the things that are subtle little changes that are going to make a difference. Let's just get you, you know, walking, being more active. So we're going to get that weight off. We're going to get that weight off first. And through that, you're going to develop this confidence because you're going to feel confident about yourself. You're going to continue to realize when you make these little changes every single day, it builds momentum. So every day that you win, you win the day. You check the, off the list that you got better today. You did. You follow your diet to plan. Check. You, you, know, you withheld from eating that chocolate cake. You showed self-control. Restraint is strength. If you think about that in terms of your power and your capabilities, you're building every single day your power, your confidence by the little things, the little habits, the little checks off the list. That's momentum. Mm -hmm. That's momentum. And you just continue to create it. So then before you realize it, Sally, we've lost 30 pounds. Before you realize it, Sally, we've lost that 70 pounds. Now you feel better. You're confident. You're strong. You, you're proud of your progress. And now, even though you're, I don't remember how old you said you were, Sally, but no matter how your age or your experience level, you now have the confidence to walk into that ballet class, never done it before a day in your life, but you're confident enough and strong enough to know that you can, because yeah. you did this thing previously that set you up. Now you're ready to walk into a classroom and know that you can do it because you're going to have a teacher. You're going to have someone to show you and regard regardless of if you get on a stage or if you do it, you know, the best of like, if you're the best in the world at ballet, it doesn't matter. You're going to do something that you've always wanted to do and you'll get better at it as you put in the effort and the time. And so there you go, Sally. Yeah. I'll pay, you know, I'll pay for you the invoice later. So <laughs> gotcha. So I'm back. This is Meredith. Forget Sally. No ballet for me. All right. Bye, um, Sally. It was nice to meet you. <laughs> no, I love that. So what is it that people hear that and they go eh I still don't buy it what what is the block because I I I say the same thing to people you you want to do it this is what you do you do this and, and then I struggle with it myself but where does how do we make ourselves believe in our own greatness 
what is the process for that? Is it the, is it the daily wins? Is it just putting it in motion? Like what is the first step for anything? I mean, you said with Sally, like, is it accepting the truth? Is that step one? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. The okay. first, the first step. And honestly that we, you know, when you said that I was like building it and I was like, the first thing to do is just do it. Like the first thing to do is just do it. But first you have to be willing to accept responsibility for your actions and your actions and your reactions. You have to understand at the root and the base of everything in your life, you are in control. Like you are in control of the situations you put yourself in. You are in control of the environment that you put yourself in. You are in control of the thoughts that you feed yourself every single day. You're in control of the things you listen to. You're in control of the things you eat. You're in control of the things that you put into your body, be it physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, you are in control of those elements. And if you realize and take control of that, you know, and accept responsibility, understand that you are in control. So the only time people can affect you negatively is if you let them. What is the quote? What is the quote? You know, ships don't sink because of water, you know, outside. They sink because the water gets in. You are in control of the things that you let inside your ship. And so you have to first accept responsibility that you have that. You have that power and you, you know, control the direction that you sail. You control everything about that boat, right? And sometimes weather happens. Sometimes bad things happen, right? You know, some days you're just going to be sailing. It's just going to start pouring down rain in the middle of nowhere. But know that you know how to set the sails to handle that kind of weather. Know that your power is in the ship. Your power is you. So once you realize and accept that first, that's what changes your direction. Because like after you've accepted all this, we devise a plan. We devise a plan that's what is your goal? I make people identify what is your goal? Tell me that goal and let's work backwards. So we're going to figure out a plan, right? Mm -hmm. If you work backwards from there, you'll eventually find what meets from your goal from where you are right now. The only thing that's, you know, in the middle there is the work and the effort that you apply to the goal. My goal was to be the best power lifter in the world, regardless of sex, height, weight. And how I did that was via, you know, Wilk score, you know, the body weight multiplier. So I wanted to be the best power lifter in the world. So I devised a plan. I devised a plan and I stuck to the plan for the entirety of my career. I did not deviate. I did not do meets outside of, you know, what was in plan. I did things exactly how I was supposed to. And I continued and followed through with the process until I reached the goal. And so the goal has always been the goal. And it was just sometimes in between, you know, you get off track. You get off track and you have to change direction of the sail because things don't go your way, right? There's weather that comes. There's all kinds of stuff that changes the direction of your sail. But as long as you are going generally towards that goal, you will get there as long as you continue to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what people don't realize. That's the disconnect is that you have to see the goal. You have to work backwards to see that there is some in between. There's lag time, obviously. Like there are levels that you're not even close to yet that are the halfway point to meet that goal, right? And so once you accept all that at the very base and bottom is where you are right now, realize that every day you make these little wins, these little moves in the right direction, you're getting closer because it's a long game. We make these little changes every single day and nothing changes tomorrow. Nothing changes the following day. Nothing immediately changes until you've built it. It's not going to happen. Like I've been working on my personal podcast. I've been working on getting it set up and everything for the past 
ah, like I feel like five years, but honestly, it's been like, you know, a solid probably like four or five months. I've actually been trying to get everything together, do it, get the situation right. And I'm just now getting like my release date where I'm going to actually set everything up, launch, get it all done. But it's like I had to work towards that one day at a time, like my book, one day at a time, one page at a time. It's all one step at a time. And everybody wants now just the immediate magic pill that Mm -hmm. it's done for me. And it's done yesterday. And yeah, writing a book, nothing will teach you. Oh my that God. Let's not even talk about that. That's a, <laughs> that's been, that's been a, I guess probably that's been like a six year, you yeah. know, saga. And like, everybody's <laughs> like, when's it coming out? And I'm like, you know what? Probably when I die, like, honestly, because I keep <laughs> adding, I keep doing this and doing that. And it's like, ah, well, I was going to do this or at least this year, but you know what? Until it's ready, it's not going to be ready. And so you we'll, know, we'll see you with that. We'll get oh, it done girl, next month. How, next month. <laughs> Yeah, Next send month. me Girl, what you got. <laughs> give me December. Give me December. That's that's what I want to be. All right, there you go, guys. December. I got a launch date for that now too. But I would I appreciate it. I'd love your help. But um, oh my gosh. So yeah, I, I want to talk about powerlifting real quick. Let's so, talk about it. A lot of my audience probably has no clue what we're talking about here. Okay. I have schooled them on Olympic weightlifting, and my the bane of my existence growing up was, yeah, I'm an Olympic weightlifter. How much do you bench? I'm like, oh, <laughs> and I don't bench. My bench, I hit. I finally hit the 245 plates, and I'm, oh. I'm good. Like I'm like I did it. I'm good. 225. So, I hear you. Good job. That's okay. All a right. Big man plate for a single. Ooh, um, so such a, a big man plate, eh? Man plate, yeah. Ooh, don't I get too do big that. now. Don't I get know. too big. That's right. Okay, Be so careful. let's let's fool the people. <laughs> and my so, friend Elaine laughs at me. She's like, "You're so you're so like strong for being such a weakling." <laughs> she just heckles me. Yeah, not um, bad for a little punk, you know. Not bad. Not bad for a girl. Oh, oh my god. Oof. So you know what? You know, that's honestly that. that's well, that was one of my like when I was in the gym and I was like you know a kid and I was training the gym. I was always like I'd always had this intensity, right? I just bring it. Like that's something I've just. I'm a little cuckoo. Like there's a couple screws that are loose. And like for me in the gym, that's my like time of like where I can actually go in and just do what I want to do. Like there is no control. I go in and make my decisions, how hard I'm going to go every, you know? And so mm-hmm. the intensity, I've always been intense. I turn it on and I turn it off when I leave, I turn it on and turn it off. But everybody's like, Oh, well, that's not, not bad for a girl. And I'm like, Bert, like not bad for a girl. <laughs> you say, come do it. Like come, come jump in my set. And they're like, no, nah, I'm good. I just train legs. Sure, buddy. Sure. But so powerlifting, what powerlifting is, let's give you the quick and dirty rundown. So powerlifting is comprised of three main lifts, right? It's squat, bench press and deadlift. And so uh, what a day, like what a meet looks like is you have three squat attempts. And what you're trying to do is get, you know, a max squat. You're trying to determine a max squat for the day, a max bench press and a max deadlift all in the same day. So it's nine total attempts you know, three squat, three bench, three deadlift. And what you're trying to do from these attempts is build up to the highest attempt, you know, and get that max, that max effort weight. That's what you're trying to achieve and accomplish. And so what a total is, is your best lift for your best completed lift in each respective category for your squat, bench press, and your deadlift. And we add up those three events, the total number, and that is your grand total, which is, you know, your power lifting total, um, and that's how that works there. So it's a lot the, of math. Ah, that's <laughs> and 45 plus 45. Those are the only, you know, kilos I'm still not even good at as far as, you know, <laughs> that goes, but it's not too, it's not too bad. It's not too hard. This is the most advanced math I do. There's no Pythagorean theorems or, you know, quadratic. So we're good. 
but um, it's it's pretty it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. And I mean, honestly, how you train for powerlifting is the majority of people focus on those three main lifts, and everything else, you know, is like as a secondary builder to the lifts. But your main topic and priority is to you know display as much power in a one rep max squat, bench, and a deadlift, and that is what powerlifting is mainly, you know, as far as a sport goes. Okay. So as a, I mean, not necessarily as a woman, but I think a lot of women don't bother bench pressing and a hundred percent. And I'm so mad. I never did because I've found a lot of benefits from it. Um, now that I'm kind of doing it. So what are some good tips for increasing your bench press as a female? Like, Oh my gosh, this is my specialty. You're right in my wheelhouse because (laughs) this is something I actually pride myself on. You know, when you're building, like when you're building champions and you're building athletes, like it's just something I do daily as well. Right. Like I treat every athlete that I coach individually and I coach a lot of female lifters. And one thing that I've found is over time, my athletes, my female like athletes, one thing that they excel with is I have so many girls that are benching over 200. And, you know, like, honestly, that's a that's a pretty big milestone. Somebody asked me what an impressive bench for a female was, and I was like, I mean, it just is all dependent on what your idea of impressive is, obviously. But like what we said earlier, like the, you know, the plates on either side, that's a huge milestone for a lot of females. Right. And I've got girls that are you just, you know, women that are competing and several that are benching in the 200s, in the 200s. And that's crazy to think about like smaller girls and so you know if you know anything about lifting or powerlifting like a lot of females don't train chest very often they don't really build those pectoral muscles or the muscles you need because they don't train the bench press right that's obviously we're going in most females I want some pecs today you know it's usually (laughs) I want my legs to look nice like it's you know it's a little bit different unless you're targeting for a strength sport specific style most females don't go in and say you know what I'm gonna go bench press today like I got into it because I was interested in bodybuilding. That's really why I bench pressed. And I was, uh, you know, I was a competitive athlete. So I knew that there were benefits from benching, but I was a thrower as well in softball. And, you know, sometimes it's discouraged for throwers of any kind to bench press. But I never listened, luckily. You know, I'm a little bit rebellious on that side. <laughs> I but, don't um, get that from you at all. <laughs> don't tell anybody, you know, it's my secret. But for females, honestly, one of the biggest things that, um, a lot of females lack is stability in the bench press when you initially get started because it's a move that's completely foreign to you for the most part. And most of the time in most situations, you know, it's a muscle like your pecs and everything in that situation. It's a muscle that hasn't been trained very often or very frequently. So you might have a strong back, you might have strong arms, you have strong legs, but typically there's a huge imbalance um, with the chest because the chest is just lacking because mm-hmm. of lack of, you know, training it. And obviously most of us aren't out here doing pushups every day just to balance ourselves out. So it's something that I found the stability aspect because the, you know, there are discrepancies with how strong the antagonist muscle is, but we start off. Uh, one thing I found is to increase that stability, dumbbell bench press. And yeah. a lot of people think, and like, hmm, interesting. Dumbbell bench press, single arm dumbbell bench press. You can change the incline, decline. But honestly, flat dumbbell bench press of some kind of variation is really one of the things that I like to have females do, like especially females that really haven't trained, um, you know, their chest a ton or anything like that. But to build your bench press initially, train that movement pattern of actually getting that muscle to fire, getting that pressing power, right? build that movement pattern via light dumbbells and don't what dumbbells do is give you the stability you can do it with both arms individually and then when you put your hands to the barbell like it's a little bit more stable right because oftentimes 
we have discrepancies in our right hand, left hand, which one's our dominant side. And so if this is a completely untrained move with the stability lacking, there are discrepancies in your pressing. You know, one side might go up higher than the other or better than the other. It's just something you train that motor pattern first before you ever even touch a barbell bench press. Um, and if, you know, you have some kind of like experience with the barbell bench press, then add in like those dumbbell presses secondarily as an accessory and push them a little bit heavier. Um, I've told this to a lot of like my, you know, I've had some male colleagues and they'll, what do you think is the biggest key to like female bench press? And I say, start them off, you know, or add in heavy dumbbell bench press. Um, and that's just a really, really huge secret. It's not a secret, but people just overlook it. And I remember reading, I've always been a nerd. I've always done research. Um, I've been interested and involved. I've been involved in the fitness, quote unquote, industry and working in strength sports. Let's see, probably for at least 10 years, you know, um, even as a, like a professional, just like as a lower level personal trainer kind of thing, I was always delving myself into research and research and trying to find articles and just learn more, right? Because that's the thing. If there's a problem, the problem is you don't, you lack the knowledge. The solution is go seek out the knowledge, go find, go find the articles, go look at stuff before, you know, there was so much information on the computer. I'd go read magazines. I'd buy weekly bodybuilding magazines or sports magazines and read, try to figure out as much as I could to get myself as big of a knowledge base. And I remember reading the was, uh, it's, I think it's 17% that's the difference between, um, like basically if you calculate almost like a one rep max, like discrepancies between your dumbbell bench press, like if you were doing almost like a max separate kind of thing, um, and your barbell bench press. And that is a statistic that I found is almost complete, like statistics are obviously statistics, but it's so close to accurate every single mm -hmm. time. And so I can sneakily build a bench press without even building a bench press. Cause a lot of times some of my female lifters have a lot of mental trouble with like numbers and weight on a bar. I can build your bench press and know where you're at on your bench press based on your dumbbell press. But oh, that's wow. one of those sneaky things that, you know, you can do as a coach that just comes with time and experience. But building the chest via, you know, heavy dumbbell bench press or different graining that movement pattern, that's one thing. And then triceps, obviously. Triceps are, you know, the secondary finishing motion for a bench press. So the chest is obviously the weakest point for most females that, I you know, we work with coach that first get in, in, interested in bench pressing, but then we can also build those triceps. A lot of times we have a little bit of triceps, you know, just from daily movements and things that we do. Um, but we can always build those triceps up, do some weighted dips, do some body weight dips, do some just, you know, tricep push downs, you know, rolling tricep extensions, just little like tricep moves, like accessories. Those themselves will help you, you know, as far as getting training that pattern, training, learning how to uh, like use that muscle first, and then being able to apply it to your strength component when you bench press. So, so when you see like a imbalance, so when I do dumbbell bench, my left is significantly weaker. Uh -huh. So d like, it, what do you do with that? Do you then give that an extra rep on that side? Like how mm -hmm. do you get the balance going? Well, so obviously like there would never be a balance if we continually did, okay, 10 reps on this side, 10 reps on that side. So whatever your weaker side is, show it a little bit more attention. And obviously we don't want to create any imbalances, but what we're going to have to do to like basically catch it up to speed, just do an extra set. And it doesn't have to be do a couple extra reps or do an extra set. Just track what you're doing. So that way it's kind of, systematic there's a genuine like an approach to it because you don't want to overtrain one side and then right. uh, my left arm's broke you get injured so do it systematically have an approach but do a couple extra reps on that side you know over time and usually in the set you know and it, it depends on you know what it is but in an amount of time 
it will have caught up. And you can just always give that a little more attention when you do your corrective exercises. Because I think that's one thing just in powerlifting that's overlooked and almost in daily life is corrective exercises and movement is medicine. You know, so like if you have one side that is weaker and you see that, it's probably an issue that is not just with the dumbbell bench press. It might be a scapular retraction issue or it might be something that starts somewhere else. And so what we can do is like break it down even more to like your daily movements, how you're sitting, you know, if your hips are bothering you, one side's different. If you know how you're rotating, where your shoulders are, how you have your, are you slumped forward? Where how's your posture? There are little daily things that sometimes we can even pay attention to and tweak those at like the daily habit level. And that also can play into, you know, adding in a couple extra reps on that side, but just being mindful of it and having a systematic approach that definitely will help. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about mindset and nutrition and like addiction and stuff. So like if you have issues with like binge eating, say, and raising my hand, um, how does the champion champion mindset kind of fit with your nutrition, what you put in your body? I mean, you said earlier, we control what we put in our face. We control uh-huh. X, Y, and Z. So how do you kind of go at that when you have a client or an athlete who who has a big like addiction problem. Okay. Well, you know, you start off and how you address everyone. And I I just, I stress this so, so much because everyone is different and the way people process information and the way people need to be approached in, you know, different situations is always different. Right. But the main thing is first, we still have to get them to accept responsibility. So I have a lot of times people come to me, like, I think last, last week, someone I had, you know, I got in contact with, they were like, you know, I have to eat out um, probably three to four days a week. And I said, you have to like, you know, I didn't know if it was like a business related thing. Like if you actually have to meet with clients and have dinner, like you have to eat with them, you know, as a social gathering, if that's part of your job, I understand completely. But he, I was like, you have to. And he was like, well, I mean, I guess I don't have to, but I don't prepare my food. I don't prioritize that. So, okay. You see what happens mm-hmm. is you, un- yep. you let, you let them unwind the question, Right. So if someone has a problem with binge eating, say you have a problem with binge eating, you like as you're if you're my athlete or if you're my colleague or if you're someone that has this problem and you're telling me this is what the problem is, okay, Stacy, you know I went out of control, I ate the whole box of you know cereal or I you know ate all the ice cream. I want you to unwind the question for me, okay? Well, what can we do? What can we do to why or why did you do that? What was your motive? And like if you were emotional, a lot of times, especially females, we're creatures, we're emotional creatures. I am 100% and I will admit to it. This is one of my biggest struggles is, you know, just being an emotional creature, you have stress responses, right? So we're going to go and, oh my God, I'm going to stuff my face with all this ice cream, right? Well, I want to ask you, so why did you do that? How did that make you feel afterwards? And is this something that we need to repeat? So I basically, I'm coaching you through the situation so you can understand and process, right? I'm going to ask you, how did that make you feel? So how did eating that whole box of you know oreo cookies or whatever it was why did you do it first how did it make you feel tell me uh, i had a bad day at work mm-hmm. i'm powerless over ice cream i had three different pints in my freezer and um, how, so how did you feel afterwards after you ate all the ice cream did you feel good did you, did you feel yeah, like happy I and hated satisfied myself all right hated so myself. we hated ourselves so what can we do to make it so is this something that needs to continue because now at this point 
we had a bad day at work, so poo, my day has been crap. I need some ice cream. Now we ate all the ice cream. Now not only do we not have any more ice cream in the fridge, like, well, you know, our favorite kind, it's gone. But now we feel like crap because we feel like, oh, I'm a beached whale and I'm a failure because I'm fat, like, because and I ate I still all the had food. A bad day. <laughs> and my day is still, well, my day at work, I still have to go back to work and go back to this job that I hate. And now I don't even have ice cream at home and I'm fat. So <laughs> is this something that, this is a pattern that needs to continue? Right. No. It, like, is it? No. I'm so, like, I'm harming myself on purpose. Yes. We're harming our, yes. That's what we're doing is we're hurting ourselves on purpose because someone else hurt us. Can I get an amen in the back? Amen. We, we are hurting ourselves in response to someone hurting us. Yes. We let that person affect us negatively. So we went home and affected and ourselves negatively. Listen, <laughs> nobody is yeah. going to respect you if you don't respect yourself first. And that's in any situation scenario, not just a binge eating situation. But it's like, if you don't even have enough respect for yourself to like, here's what I'm going to do. The situation that was bad at work, how can I make that situation better? It's not by the more like degrading yourself and making yourself feel bad. Because if you were the ray of sunshine in the day, and somebody made your day bad. Well, guess what? When you go back to work, now you're not a ray of sunshine anymore because you're like, I'm fat and I don't feel good. and I'm sluggish, maybe lethargic. Like now the whole situation's worse, right? So always ask yourself what you can do to improve any situation that you're in, right? So like if binge eating is a problem, if addiction with anything is a problem, ask yourself what it's doing for you. Is it beneficial? Is it something that needs to continue? Like actually break it down because obviously with anything, obviously, when we're eating that ice cream, oh, my God, this is so good. Oh, my God, I love this ice cream. Oh, my God, I love it. This is the best ice cream in the world, right? 30 seconds afterwards, Miserable. it's over. It's over. I feel sick. I can't believe myself. I am so disgusted with myself that I lack self-control to fight that ice cream. And now, like, I can't believe I did this. You're sabotaging yourself. You're in control. So let's, let's undo. Let's find the pattern there. Let's find the pattern. There's a pattern to everything. Let's find the pattern, trace it back, and see where the problem starts and what we can do to fix it. I mean, so, I think one of the biggest things is exactly what you said. Like, I tell people, make a pro and con list. Make yep. me a pro list as to why you're continuing to drink two bottles of wine every night. Give me the pros. Yeah. Like, oh, I need to relax. You're not relaxing. You're you're creating havoc for the next day. You're creating habit for your whole life because it's right. just like the daily habits. Like if we're getting to the point where we're drinking two bottles of wine a night, you know, that's not just a problem for us, like from a obviously not very good for your health standpoint, but like that's a that's a, um, a monetary problem as well. So now yeah. we're going to put ourselves under financial strain because we're spending X number of dollars a day on wine. That's going to put ourselves under more stress to pay our bills. That's going to put our, our body under stress or whatever under stress. You make bad decisions sometimes when you know you're intoxicated, blah, blah, sometimes. blah, blah. <laughs> I mean, I don't drink. Like, I don't drink. Like, my mom is like my mom is an alcoholic. And so one of the things about me that you'll, like, people learn, and sometimes this is one of my biggest things, and this is a little bit different, but this is champion mindset as well. Self-control is strength. And that's something I've learned, like, very, very that's very important to me. Self-control is strength. And that's the same thing that applies with binge eating. Anybody that like I'm never I give people what they need. If you need me to tell you at the little level, like this is what we need to do, do, do. I will. If you need me to tell you, listen, this is your fault. and You got to fix it. I will. But the thing is, I'm going to make you understand that this is in your control and you are not helpless. You have the power. You just have to own up and do it because self-control is strength not binge like not binging on that ice cream and texting me like 
you know what, Stacy? I had a little win today because what I did, I, got, I didn't do the ice cream because I knew I didn't want it. I didn't need it. It didn't fit my long-term goal. Look at a situation and say, is this helping me or hurting me towards my goal? We backtrack. We listed the steps. Is this helping me or hurting me towards that goal? If it's not helping you get there, you don't need it in your life. And so self-control is strength. And that includes people. Yes. My God. Yes. Yes. So what? I, so self-control is strength. Self-control is strength. And like you have the you have the ability to keep whatever people you want around you. You have the ability to say no. When people ask me if I want to drink and I'm like, no, I don't. You know, I don't make a big deal about it. Like, oh, no, I didn't drink alcohol. I'm better than that. like, no, I don't care if you do. It's just not in my plan for my priorities and like how I do things. But then people oppress you. Well, why not? Why not? Well, because it's my decision. I consciously don't want to do it. I had there are bad experiences like, you know, in my family with alcohol. But I never even tell people that I just tell people no, because that's all you need to know is I said no. And that's, oh, boy, we are on it today. But that's all they need to know. (laughs) They need to know that you're strong enough in whatever situation it is. If something doesn't fit to your plan, if it doesn't fit with your goals, you're going to say no. And people have respect for that. People have respect for that. And self-control is strength. You don't let people in your circle that don't belong there. People that aren't helping you like they got to go. There, I mean, there were times in my life, like, you know, I don't ever speak ill of anybody. That is something I just do not do. I will not speak ill of anybody. I just speak situationally and how things happen, how things work. But there have been people in my life at times who have just been toxic, who have just literally dragged me down. And what do I do? Blame it on them, right? Isn't that the easy thing to do? Yeah. But guess what? You're part of the problem because you allow that behavior in your life. Let me say it again. You are part of the problem because you allow that behavior to continue in your life. If you don't stop people from treating you a certain way, they won't. So you have to be willing to step into that discomfort that's like, hey, I'm telling you no. I'm telling you I don't want this in my life anymore. Like you can cut people off at the drop of a hat with any no kind of notice if you need to. And that's something that's been really hard for me because I love everybody. If you know me. As a person, I love everybody. I'm a humongous teddy bear. Nobody believes me on Instagram or anything like that because I look so big and scary, right? You meet me in person and it's like, what? Like, what? I was scared of you. You're intimidating? Like, wow. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. For sure. Because I'm just not. I love everybody. But I love myself more. Yes. And that's something that I have just, I mean, probably yesterday realized. I literally like, just posted something like that today. Because, boy, like, yeah. There's something in the air. I don't know what it is, but there Maybe is such, the man, I, the moon, the Libra horse. I don't know what it is. Like, you know, whatever combination it is. I don't know if Mercury's in whatever kind of grade. It's all good because today's a good day to have a good day. And Mercury's guess what? in fourth grade with perm bangs as well. I so word. That's all we need to know is today's a good day to have a good day. And whatever we are doing, the energy we are putting into the world is the energy we're going to get back. And like, I just realized as of probably like a couple days ago, I love people. I love people so much. Like I love people. And I've been going, 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 weekend, weekend, traveling here or there. I want to meet as many people. I want to help as many people. I've gotten to the point that like I told you, my voice sounds kind of gremlin-like because I've been screaming and yelling at meets and doing podcasts and like just going, 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 right? I've got a seminar this weekend in Columbia. I'm just continually going and doing as much as I can, but I'm realizing that I love people and I love helping people, but you can't pour from an empty glass and I love myself more. I love myself more. And so when it comes time, I'm going to have to take a step back and I'm going to, the people that appreciate me, 
and want me in their life and value me, they will come to me. Like, you know, I don't have to just all go, go, give, give, give. Sometimes it's okay to give to the people that are appreciative, you know, and that's why I moved out of South Carolina. The people that were there didn't, for the most part, didn't appreciate the value that was right there. They were looking other places, you know, for inspiration, whatever, or like, I was different. I was different. I was gay. You know, I peed on the floor when I deadlifted, you know, like I just made too much noise. I was a problem and I was different, but you never saw me as somebody to look up to because you just saw me as just not the norm. So they overlooked me. People, you know, just disrespected me. I got kicked out of restaurants. I got kicked out of gyms. People just, you know, I walked by and people just, oh, that's too much. Well, yes, you are exactly right, baby. I am too much. I am way too much. For the wrong people. I am way too much. And that's why I realized, guess what? Everything's in your control. So the reason why I got out of South Carolina, everything is in your control. And if there's an environment that you can't grow in anymore, and that means with people, with location, with whatever it is, if that environment you cannot grow in, you better pick yourself back up and you better ground yourself somewhere else. Replant the seed, like replant the seed, because that's up to you. So your situational circumstance, whatever it is, that's up to you. If you want to pick it up and go somewhere else, you are not tied down to like nothing is permanent nothing is permanent if you're willing to make a change right so let's talk about social media oh social media um good old social media good old social media and i know so i ask all the celebrity types and instagram person am i am i a celebrity you are Hold a celebrity on, like, i'm a celebrity of course you. oh are. my god what's today what is today's date <laughs> i need to write this down June i need to write this down all right i'm making a post later i just want to let y'all know that i'm now a celebrity because someone else said it so that's that's gotta be fact i'm a celebrity true all right everyone else's opinion matters that's my opinion it matters i'm a celebrity celebrity so but seriously everyone i talk to i ask this question because it i really am seeking answers for it okay what do you do with the rude comments. Okay. So some people say you just ignore, you just do, you know, you do you don't worry about, but it's still, it still has to sting or annoy or impact in some way. Now I had some stuff go over the last week and I'm, I don't know if it's just, I'm getting used to it. I've been at this almost 10 years and I'm turning 40, but I just didn't care. I, I, I turned the corner. Congratulations. You know what? Just, congratulations. It didn't raise my blood pressure. I didn't want to, I just moved on. I was doing something and I kept doing what I was doing, you know? Absolutely. So So is it it conditioning yourself? (laughs) Yep. I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's a self-love. It's a self-love. And I'm not like Mm. a trigger word person or anything like that. You know, everybody, self-love is this, self-love is this. No, this is self-love. Letting things affect you that are important and not letting things that don't affect, like not letting things that aren't important affect you. Like you look at rude comments, you close your phone. And then you go on about whatever your day is and you're present in that day, what you're doing, because I've been at the, so the social media thing for me is a wild ride because if you want to be me to be completely honest, I didn't mean to be a celebrity. I didn't mean like, I didn't really know how this was like, you go back on my social media, like 10 years and you're going to see me in the gym posting the douchebag selfies. Like that was me then that's me now. I just did something in between. Right. Yeah. So my social yeah. media has stayed true to my personal self for the entirety of my social media, because I never meant it to be a business. I never meant this yeah. to be exactly what it is. It just grew and it grew in such an organic way that it was really honestly with people that follow me, follow along with my life. 
like my followers, my 40, whatever thousand or whatever it is, I'd put them against, I tell people this all the time, I put them against anybody's 200 million thousand K. Cause like if I'm on the side of the road somewhere and I said, Hey, um, one of y'all want to come grab me or take me and I'll get me a tire or feed me or something. I would have somebody out that 40,000. that would be like, I got you, bro. Like a hundred percent. And like, I put my 40 against your 200 million, a hundred times out of a hundred because the people that follow me actually follow me for a purpose and a reason. I'm pretty sure. But like, because they're invested, right? They're invested in this journey, this very right. eventful journey, <laughs> which has been so rewarding for me. But like, while I've been doing this Instagram journey, while I've been growing and developing as a person, obviously, like things have changed in my life. Like I had an Instagram, quote unquote, an Instagram relationship, right? And so there's a lot of different things that people I didn't realize and understand with social media and how it worked was that this was my personal device, right? I didn't really, I was just doing my thing. I was growing, I was living. Then when I got stronger and then whenever I realized like I was quote unquote, you know, unacceptable and different because I, you know, yelled when I lifted and I did this kind of stuff, I was different. And then I realized like people don't like this. Like what? Why do people, because it Mm -hmm. made them feel insecure. And so I'd get all these nasty comments. You know, I'm just lifting. I'm posting my lifting video from the day, just like my douchebag selfie yesterday. I'm not (laughs) bothering anybody. I'm just minding my own business, trying to change the world. Right. Even 10 years ago. And then people start throwing all these nasty comments. And just for me, I'm young. I'm still developing, trying to understand who I am. And people are like, yo, you know, nasty comment, nasty comment looks like a man. Like, oh, my God, like steroids, like all this, just nasty things for no reason. Like, and it's like then it was so hard, like because I didn't understand because just to be like, I'm very I'm a probably one of the just most likable, lovable people. I'm a teddy bear. If you just, I love everybody. I would never try to hurt anyone. And that's just how I am. Right. So anytime, so if somebody goes out of their way on my social media to say, you know, just nasty comments, it's like, why, what did I do to you? How, what did I do to you? But then also the type of person I am, what can I do to fix you? Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm, Because obviously if they're, if you're lashing out at me like that, it's not a problem with me. And that's something I had to just grow and realize like more and more, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and minding my own business. Cause when I close out of social media, I've still got my real life, which I really like a lot too, you know? And so like, obviously if you're throwing nasty comments on my page or doing whatever you close social media and you must not like what you see because you're too busy throwing shade over here to embrace the sunshine. And so that's not my problem. I'm busy out here living my life and I'm doing my thing. But like, as a female and as like just, you know, not being the norm in the fitness industry or, you know, whatever it is, social media related, I get a lot of flack. I get a lot of flack. And originally I didn't take it. I did not take it like very well at all. I mean, I'm an emotional creature. I get so upset and I'll just be like, I don't understand why people are just so mean. Like, why are people so mean? I don't understand. And it makes it hard to put yourself out there over and over and over again. Yep. And like, why would it's like, why would I, why would I just go throw myself to the wolves again? Like, I don't want to post a selfie because somebody's going to say something nasty about it. I don't want to do this because like people are going to be like, oh, that's too much. But you know what? I never faltered. And that's something that honestly, I don't really know how to tell you 100% how I did it. Mm -hmm. Like, because it's one of those things that, and this is how I think I approached the majority of my life. Honestly, I just had a realization. You just do it. And so like all the while I hated these nasty comments. I hated the nasty things people would say about me. I hated all that. But then what was kind of cool was like for every nasty comment, there'd usually be one or two that were like, 
dude, back off of Stacey. She could deadlift you and your mom. Like, you know, it'd just be <laughs> something that's like somebody randomly that like actually knows me, supports me or something. Somebody would be like, go out and roast. Like I would never comment back. That's something I've always tried to stay away from is like, cause when you react out of emotion, it's an emotional response, right? So if I get upset, somebody says, you know, oh, well, da 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 and I just bop back, that's going to be my immediate trigger, like knee-jerk response. And typically, that's never going to be your best response out of emotion, right? Especially right. raw, like a triggered emotion. So I'd always sit back, I'd think about it. And if it was something I wanted to go back and address, I would. But for the majority, I go like, I, I would stay away from it too. Like when I see it, I either swipe it, delete it, or I would just, you know, go back to it later. Like one of the pages that used to repost me a ton, like Deadlift Slum Dead, they repost a lot of my deadlifts and it got a lot of attention and traction. And I'd go back sometimes and just look at see what people had to say. But then I'd mainly go back and look and see who was defending me. You know, like, you know what? Just like, <laughs> who are my people? people? Like, who, that's my crew. That's my crew. You know, because like right. sometimes it just means a lot. So like, that's the thing is like, we control our attention. We control what we let affect us. And so like, instead of just worrying about these pe nasty people who all they have time to do are troll, I went back and I'd look at the people that had my back because those are the people, those are my people, right? And mm -hmm. like social media is wild and weird because like, yeah, it's like kind of fake, but then like, you know, cause it's a social, like it's a social media networking device, right? This is obviously not the real world for most people. But for me, honestly, I post my interactions, my daily life. You guys just think it's cool. So you follow me because like you like who I am. And so for me, it's like whenever people help me on social media and like, you know, just say things back not say like not everything deserves a response but just you know what i'm saying just the little things like that instead of focusing on the people that were mean i focus on the people that cared i focus yeah. on the people that you know are trying to help me grow regardless and like you're never going to please everybody if you're trying to please everybody you might as well quit yesterday right like right. i've never I, but the thing is i've never pleased anyone like from <laughs> where i grew up where i was i wasn't accepted for who i was yeah. so like it's never been a problem to me to not be accepted because I've been, I've, I've been there, done that for 10 years now. Like I already bought the t-shirt. I already had my crying. Like, you know, I already had like all these moments that I'd already grown into myself and become more confident, like with myself, because I didn't know who I was initially, but somehow I became from the hungry little fat caterpillar with blonde bangs. <laughs> I became something a little bit sooner than a lot of people did, you know, because of the situations I was put in. But like, right. that's what it's about is like, taking those situations and making them grow, like making, like growing yourself from those bad situations. You just got to understand that instead of looking at things, just, oh my God, why would people be so mean to me? Why would they be so mean? Just be like, you know, well, at least those people got my back because you're right. never going to please everybody. And so people are going to be dicks regardless. It's just, you give people your energy and your attention and everything, the people that appreciate it. And that's one thing, just knowing your worth and knowing your value that's how you deal with those comments. When you yeah. realize that like, huh, it really does not matter what you think about my body, what you think about my tattoos, what you think about my job, what you think about anything about me, because I'm happy the way I am and I'm happy I'm going to sleep just fine at night. So I really don't care what your opinion is unless you're feeding me or, you know, you've got money going in my PayPal and, you know, build my total. I don't care. Like it doesn't <laughs> matter. So when you realize that things are important, and the things that don't matter, and you know your worth, you're good to go. Like, that's really, but it's like a longer, it's, it's a much longer and in, involved process than just, oh, I don't pay any attention. Right. Yeah, because, duh, none of us paid attention. But we right. do. 
It's just you have to grow from it enough to be able, you have to condition yourself to realize it's not important. And guess what? Honestly, bad attention, good attention, whatever it is, it's all attention going your way. So guess what? Rise (laughs) to the occasion. You know what I'm saying? Like if people are throwing you shade for something bad or whatever it is, like if people are throwing you unnecessary shade or being mean to you for no reason, guess what? That's attention. You're you're a fan. You're a fan. Right. And guess what? My job now is to make you like me. So typically, like sometimes if you ever see me respond to like a trolley comment, I say something funny and it's like they're gonna go back and be like, dang man, like it's hard not to like her, but still, <laughs> you're still too big and manly and ugly, but you're kind of right. funny. And I'm like, well, you know what? At least we got a positive. Like, you know, because right. I mean, everything is how you approach it. If you approach every day like it's just the worst thing in the world, guess what? It's the worst thing in the world. If you approach every single day like this could be the best day of your life live it like that, live it like that. And guess what? Your whole life will change every interaction, every relationship, every business endeavor. If you change the way you think your world changes. And like, I've got so many things that are in the works and like there's, I'm wildly busy, right? I am beyond, I've got terrible anxiety. Like everybody has anxiety to a point, I think, but it's all about how we manage it. Right. And so what I do is like, I have my set structure to manage my day, plan my time accordingly. And like, that's how I manage my anxiety. That's my problem. What I do with the solution is just live day by day, win every single day and just build momentum. Right. If I look at stuff like, Oh, well next week I'm going to Texas. And then the next week I'm going to Vegas. And then the next week, like that's overwhelming. It's like, how do I do this? What am I going to do? Ah, anxiety. But you just execute to plan every single day. Like, and that builds confidence that builds everything. And it's just the day by day, little things, little wins that just continue to build you and your life. And so if we apply that and like all this is what the champion mindset is, but if we apply that to every situation, like even if it's just looking at our phone and looking at trolley comments, like, you know, you break up from a uh, social media relationship and like, I'm still on great terms with my ex, right? I'm still on great terms. But like one of the things I didn't want us to talk about it much, you know, because you never want to need your reaction. You never want somebody to be like, oh, well, you know, this person's bad and this person's bad, whatever. So like it was never talked about. Right. And everybody's, oh, my God, where's this? Where's that? Where are you guys not to get like, you know, social media is a wild, wild, wild place. But like, honestly, you manage your time and you live your life completely separate from social media. And like, guess what? If you know what your, your value, your worth, what you're bringing to the table, you don't let anybody or anybody else's negativity. They're just like nonsense stuff. You never let stuff like that bring you down because if you're happy outside of social media, it doesn't really matter what's going on there. Right. Like you use what's going on there to your advantage, like as from a marketing standpoint or just to get your message out, right? Like social media for me, like my personal Instagram is my personal Instagram. It will remain my personal Instagram until I die. I have businesses that I've built and, you know, I'll promote my own businesses from my personal, but like Bama Burr is my personal social media account. So it is going to stay that way. Right. I'm, I remain true to who I am. And like, that's what my people like. And I have a friend who said, um, she was telling me the other day, she's like, you know, like 10 years ago, you just wanted to get your fat, tired, swollen ass to finish a 5k. And then it just kind of spun out of control from there. <laughs> I mean, (laughs) to be completely honest, you know what I'm saying? Like we all start out somewhere doing something. I look back and I was like, I was in the bathroom at the gym. Like I got kicked out of taking these selfies, like, you know, one day at a time, beast mode, like all this. Right. (laughs) But like I went beast mode for 10 years 
and I didn't post about it all the time, but like I went beast mode for, you know, 15 years. I did one day at a time, progress, progress, progress. And guess what? It all spiraled out of control, right? Like yeah. you just decided one day you were going to wake up and take control of your life. That's the one day, like for you, for you, if that, yeah. like, what was the day that you decided to take control of your life? Um, the day I decided to take control of my life was the day I decided to become a triathlete with no endurance bone in my body. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to do this because this is impossible. Uh huh. And, and that was the day. And I started blogging about it just so I would like my As mom an accountability kind of thing yeah, for yourself. I yeah. Was like I'm going to do this shit. And this was 10 years ago. This was before Facebook was big and Instagram didn't exist. And um, yeah, it spun out of control because people were like, well, this little fat girl is going to go do this triathlon. And they, you know, started watching and that, and then it, yeah. And, and so I have to remind myself, this is still my personal blog and my Instagram. It's just got other stuff now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> so we've mean. evolved. We've evolved. Like we're still yeah. that same person. I'm still the little fat kid who decided she didn't want to be fat anymore and didn't want to get picked on and wanted to have her own identity. I didn't want to be someone's little sister. I wanted to make a name for myself. I wanted to be Stacy Bama Burr, the best in the world. I decided I was going to do it and I did it. And like mm -hmm. what you said, you wanted to do that because you said it was impossible. Everything is impossible until it's not. And that's right. one of my favorite quotes that like I, I coined it one day and I don't know, it just stuck. Everything is impossible until it's not, right? Like I said, I was going to be the best in the world years ago. And I'm talking about years ago. I said I was going to, you know, be the best. And people laughed at me. They laughed at my face. Did you say it out loud? Yes. Yeah. I've always been like that. And that's why people have always been like, man, Stacey is so cocky. Like I can't stand her. But it's never like when you know what you are and what you're capable of, I never took it as being cocky. I was just like, I just know I can, you know, mm -hmm. and like the th thoughts become things. Thoughts become things and people can say it's, you know, oh, that's not true. There's no scientific evidence. There is actually like thoughts become things. And the things that you say out loud, they're affirmations to yourself. That's a contract that I'm writing right. with myself out loud right. every day. It's in existence, right? So and me saying don't realize that has nothing to do with them. That's just you affirming. No, yes. Because yeah. like, I joke about that. They're like, well, what do you want to do with your life? I'm like, well, Oprah has to retire someday. And well, people are like, what? Oprah? I'm like. But to me, like, she's it to me. Hey, if you, if you need a co-host, I'm totally in because I'm kind of like, <laughs> Ellen's got to fall back sometime, too. I so, know. I mean, like, I'm oh here God, for it. Oprah and Ellen, you're Ellen. I'll be Oprah. We'll, I do 100%. We'll, I'm trying yeah. to get Ellen to go do a bench press <laughs> contest with me. So, you know, I'm like, trying to get her to do a triathlon. All right, well, let's do it. Let's just keep on baiting them and eventually they'll bite. <laughs> they'll get bored. They'll run out of content. They'll happen. be like, you know what? Let's go get, let's, let's go see what these little girls is about. And then I'm going to end up bench pressing Ellen and then we're going to have to do a triathlon. And man, I'm going right. to have to get in shape for that. So it's, it's fine. It's fine. Then I'll do two forty fives on each side. Oh, let's do it. I'm here for it. Let's do it. Can and will. I'm so here for That's it. Right. But it's but true. I mean, I mean, we say that stuff and people are like, oh my God. But I mean, I, I want that. Yep. And like, None. if you, if you yeah. want it and you're willing to work for it, it is there. See people that are like laugh at you or say you'll never do it or whatever. That's because they doubt their follow through. Like if right. you know, you would never do what it took to do that. Like a hundred percent, you're like, that's impossible. Cause you think it is. But to me, it's impossible until it's not, it is always impossible till somebody else does it first. Right. And so my thing is I was the first to graduate my family. Like I was the first to graduate, like with a four year degree, I was the first to do a lot of things that were new uncharted territory for me. Like I'm showing people that you can come from nothing, not have any experience, not have anything at all and just work, find the way and you will win. Whatever it is, you can do it if you create the opportunities. Right. 
And so that's the thing is like, if you want to be Oprah, let's go do it. Let's figure out a way where we can, you know, get our way into that connect. Cause it's possible because everything is possible. It's all, we got a goal. We're going to work backwards from there. And that's what we're doing every day. And so whenever you overthrow Oprah and I overthrow Ellen, we'll, <laughs> no, I don't you know, need to overthrow her. I need well, I mean, to be you said she's, she's got to work. She's got to retire. So we're going right. to obviously, you know, it's going to be a pass, a piece. Okay. Time. All right. Overthrow <laughs> is a little aggressive, but you know how I am. I'm a little competitive, you know, so, but, but I mean, know, I look at, I look at her, I look at other people like her and I'm like, I want to have billions of dollars so I can give away billions of dollars. Yes. Like, I yes. want to like when I see people on the street, I want to like hand someone ten thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Like, like and just not even think, not even think twice it, about it. Like, not, not even like about it. Or like, I, yeah. I mean, I want to help so many people. Like, and that's yeah. why I I spread myself so thin. We're the same person. Like, yep, you're def you and me are definitely Oprah and Ellen, like hundred <laughs> percent. But like, it's like I don't know. El, like Ellen, El, I have to level up my style a little bit to compete there. So I'm just yeah, going to need some trousers. We'll make a list. I need to get some trousers. All right. Fitted trousers. And today's the day sort of like poofy dress. Oprah's into these poofy dresses, poofy dresses. And we're going to have to do something with the hair too. I think we yeah. might like, you know, we might have to dye the bangs blonde or something like we might have blonde to blonde bangs. Back I to think your roots. that might be, that might be the move. I don't know. You know, it's different. It's original. Well, like it's just like that. It's just, I don't know. Everything is so possible. It is people that think it's not because they doubt themselves. They limit themselves and they just see in the sphere and the scope of what they see possible. Right. So like all you have to do is change what you're looking at and everything changes. When I lived in South Carolina, my first, um, so after I got out of college, I graduated with a degree in exercise science and, um, there weren't any jobs where I lived that <laughs> needed an exercise science degree. Like I lived in rural South Carolina, like it just, what it didn't exist. Right. So I right. picked a job that I was interested in. I was involved in and that really didn't exist where I was, but I wanted to stay in South Carolina to make sure I could take care of my family. Cause my family's always been my, you know, heart, rock and soul. And so, um, I was like, okay, well, I guess I, you know, I can't get a job with that. I guess I'm just going to find a job. Right. Cause you know, student loans are a thing. Bills are a thing. Being an adult's a thing. Right. So uh-huh. I got a job working at Frito-Lay. I still, to this day, I'm, you know, I'm in my car, like I told you, uh, my mobile office. I have my name tag from that job of fr- where I worked at Frito-Lay. I have it in my car and I have it with me everywhere I go because I remember what it was like to have a grunt job, like take a grunt job. And like, there's nothing wrong with it. Like that's a job that I needed to have in order to pay my bills. So like after I graduated and I knew, you know, I had my degree, I had my whatever, I made $23,000. That was how much I made in a year. I made $23,000. I didn't have like anything, but I thought that was a lot. So the thing that I was looking at, right, that was my scope of possibility. Like, man, $23,000, like, okay, I'm not doing too bad. I wasn't doing what I loved. I hated everything. Like I cried daily because I was like, I feel like I'm not making a difference. Like I had a steady paycheck. I had a steady income. Like in South Carolina, you know, housing, everything is cheap. Like nothing really cost me anything. I lived the dream. But it's like, I wasn't happy because I wasn't making a difference. And so to me, like, I didn't have much. and I didn't study. I never traveled outside of South Carolina for the most part. Like, I, it wasn't really a thing. But then yeah. powerlifting opened that door for me. I remember going to Las Vegas for the first time. And I told my family it was for a national competition. And I told my family, I was like, you know, guys, I was like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I'm just, I'm going to take it. And like, I remember saying that then and thinking that was, so, I, I hated getting on airplanes because it was, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what else was to pack and what was supposed to go where. I'd never done stuff like this before, right? But it's like when you start opening up the things that are possible, you see things differently, it changes the thing. Like it changes everything. 
yeah. when you because like if you only know your closed mindset, all you know is South Carolina. All I know is that well, as long as you have a good job and insurance, and you know you can pay your bills, that's a good thing. Like if once you get out of like the the little that you know and like you know that closed mindset and start realizing that there's so much more out there for you, everything changes. So like for me. I knew I was different. I knew I was always bigger than just little South Carolina. I was bigger than these just closed minded expectations. And so when I decided to quit my full time job, I had no idea how I was going to do it and how I was going to like, you know, make it happen. But I quit my full time job to pursue becoming a professional power lifter because there was a meet the U.S. Open when they originally offered forty thousand dollars for the top payout. I was so confident in myself and my abilities. I'd only been powerlifting for, I think, two years at this time. I was so confident in my abilities that I would be, I would win. I quit my full-time job, like, after my family was like, you know, don't do it, Stacey, don't do it. You need, you need that, you know, stability. You need that insurance. You need that, da 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 I said, don't do it. I said, I have to. Like, the hours were so long, and, like, you know, I had a, I had a two-hour commute there and a two-hour commute back that was unpaid. So four hours a day, I was driving. Still train, wow. still doing personal training, still like, you know, I was still personal training at four different locations. I was like driving back and forth. I didn't have any excuse, but like I was trained. I still trained every single day for my preps, everything like that. I just did so much, but I knew if I wanted to make, if I wanted to be the best, I was going to have to, you know, dedicate my time, my recovery, my sleep, everything to it. So I quit my job. I quit my job to pursue winning that meet, like the $40,000, because that was more than like d- almost double what I had made in my previous lifetime, right? So I quit my job because I was so confident that I would win that meet. I did that, and guess what? I didn't win the meet. I got second place. Mm. I got such a close second place that it hurt my heart. I broke my first all-time world record there. Like I, I performed so well, but I got second place by like I think two or three Wilkes points to um the top, the top, the you know, Mariana. I lost to her by like two points after I had dedicated. I quit my job. For the, like for this meet and I came up short, but like, that's the thing is, guess what? Back to the drawing board, like right. back to the drawing board. And how do you figure out? Well, you quit your job and like first place was 40,000. Second place was 10,000. So I won $10,000 and, um, you know, uh, I think a thousand dollars for winning my weight class. I won $11,000, but 11,840 and right. 11,000 ain't enough to live on. So I had to figure it out. You adapt to the situation, to the circumstance, but always remember that you remember when we broke it down, we said what our goal was and we backtracked from there. So sometimes you got to recalculate. Sometimes you got to call Siri and be like, Hey, detour, <laughs> detour, like detour. That didn't go as expected, but you recalculate and you just keep on moving forward. And that's one of those things that like, okay, if being, if the Oprah thing, if Ellen, I think we can do it. And yeah. I'm that person. I'm that like, why not? You like, got why? like 12 more years on me too. So you can definitely do it. <laughs> Oh, don't, I so might you're saying my is, mind? No, no, I think I might just change my mind. Okay, well, if you change your mind, we never do anything that we don't want to do, or it That's doesn't right. benefit us. But I mean, honestly, you're like saying you're like, hold on, Stacey, I don't like, hold on, hold on, I'm not committed like that. <laughs> no, I want to make sure. I am, I am. I can just hear you. You know, I'm still. <laughs> I am not. I am not where you are. I, I'm. I've oh, grown now, a lot. What's your What's your biggest struggle? I mean, what's your? Big, my, I mean, I work through things daily. Oh, it's I just do like. Too. What's your biggest struggle? My biggest struggle is being proud of myself outwardly. So like, I just yesterday posted a Transformation Tuesday picture, which I hate. It took me till 11 p.m. to do. But I'm trying to show how much and how long it takes to change, like that it is that daily work 
and you have to do it for years. And especially if you're battling addiction and emotional issues and all this stuff. And so I posted that yesterday and it's so hard for me to stand in my truth and being proud of myself and owning it. I really suck at owning my awesomeness. And that was hard to say, but I'm trying, but that's what you do. That's, that's what, you what do. That I'm was hard to for you to, yeah. That was hard for you to say. And that's why I wanted you to say it because yeah. it is hard for you to say, but the more you talk about things that are hard for you, the more you actually address, this is my problem. This is my issue. And this is what I need to work on. The better you're able to do it. Because mm-hmm. like I said, it's a contract you just made with the world. You just made it openly known. You remind yourself that this is what I need to do. I need to work on this. So like, that's your thing is like, it's hard for you to stand in your truth. So guess what? Every single day I challenge you to find a way, not just posting on social media, but like maybe stand in front of the mirror or whatever it is, stand in your truth and say, I'm the best in the world or say, I am say I am whatever it is, because that's one Mm -hmm. thing that I did leading up to my prep for the Arnold leading up to my prep before that. It's something that I've always found helpful for myself is to write. Like that's why I'm writing a book obviously is to write but also to speak affirmations, stand in your truth, look at yourself and say, I am the best in the world, or I am capable. I am strong. I am better than what I was yesterday. Look at yourself and own that. Because when we look in the mirror, I'm, I'm, I'm not immune to it. Like you, you say, you're not as good as me. Nah, that's not true at all. We are all honestly the same amount of quote unquote good. We're all at the same level. It's just what we're doing daily to improve, honestly. And it's like, nobody will ever, I will never have these things, like all these insecurities and stuff. I don't think honestly, any of them will ever be completely conquered because just like any kind of trauma or any kind of scar, there's always a scar there, right? No matter how deep it fades or anything like that. But all we do is we just forget. Like we are conditioned ourselves, we get better and better and better and better to the point that we don't even remember, right? But then sometimes out, you know, three years down the road, whatever, you look at yourself and you're like, man, I'm still like, like for myself personally, I've this is something I've never talked about on a podcast. I hate the way I look. For the longest time, I hated the way I looked, and it was just something because when I was training, like I trained, um, and like I told you, I spoke a little bit about being in South Carolina and being different. Well, I trained hard, heavy, and I actually dedicated, I ate the way, like I continued to eat and eat and eat, get, you know, pack on size. Like I was building muscle. I loved it. I loved the way my body changed. I love watching the progress, right? But slowly over time, there's an acceptable amount that's like acceptable. Oh, she's an athlete. She plays sports. And then there comes a time that like, now you're too much. Mm. Now there's this imaginary line that suddenly one day I woke up and I was too much. And it's like, I wouldn't go out in public much in South Carolina. Like I I stayed at my house and I built my own gym, right? I built my gym. I'd go A to B and I'd do my job. I'd go get my groceries and whatever else. But like, I didn't want to go out in public much because I hated the way I looked and the way people looked at me. Like it made me feel, you know, like I was not good enough. It made me feel like when people walk, you know, you walk past people. And like what I said earlier, like, in a di- take it in a different light. It's like some days when you're feeling, you know, just Debbie Downer, because we all have those. And it's like, I'm walking down the grocery store and I'm minding my own business, but I'm just not having a bippity boppity day. And somebody's like, oh my God, that's disgusting. That is just too much. Think right. about how that's going to make somebody feel. So like, I hear that. And like, it's like the comments, you hear it, you hear it, you hear it, you condition yourself. But one day somewhere it's going to catch up to you. Like one day you're just going to stop and be like, man, I still am battling issues daily. Like with myself, I hate being in like, when I got, like I went out on a boat with a couple of my friends last week, right? 
and I didn't take off my shirt. This is something nobody knows about me. I'm telling I'm telling you this like some top information. <laughs> See, this is why like, I'm gonna be a great Oprah. <laughs> no, a hundred percent because like this is the vulnerability that people need. This is the vulnerability that people need to know about and know that everybody struggles with all right. kinds of things, body dysmorphia, disorders, whatever it is, anxiety. Like I didn't take off my shirt. Last the, the time I was, you know, my friends were in Gainesville. I didn't take off my shirt. You want to know why? Because I am so muscular. Like, and I don't say I'm jacked, but like my body, I realized and I recognized for a long time is different. It's different. It's not the typical like, you know, Zumba mom. Like I have giant pecs. I have whatever. I look different. And a lot of times people look and they're like, mm, that's too much. And sometimes I just emotionally can't handle it. Like it's not really that I'm super insecure anymore, but like sometimes I just can't handle the negativity. Sometimes I just can't handle it. So I put myself in situations and I keep myself pretty contained so I can control my environment. But slowly, but surely, weekly and daily, I'm getting better at being myself. I'm getting better at standing in my truth that this body, I built it rep yeah. by rep. And I'm proud of it because I am like on social media. I can post my selfies, whatever. And the people that are not in my initial, like, you know, South Carolina area are like they're in different dynamics. They're like, wow, look at those delts. Wow. Look at those striations. Wow. Look at that chest. Wow. Because people appreciate things a little different, you know, whenever they have a knowledge of what it takes to have this kind of muscularity, what it takes to have this kind of strength, people understand a little better. But when you're around people that don't understand you and such, it help it makes it creates insecurities, right? And so I've had to unwind daily, monthly, sure. weekly, and I'm still unwinding. So there are things like you say you're not as you know where you want where I am yet. Yes, you are, just in a different way. It's just in a different way because we all battle little things that nobody knows anything about, right? but everybody does it. Even your quote unquote celebrities, even all these people that you think have it all figured out. Sometimes we look and they're like, I mean, I, myself, I'm like, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to pull this off? But I never say, here's the key to doing all of it. You do it. Like, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I remember cutting weight for the Arnold. Um, and if anybody knows, you know, if you don't know anything about powerlifting, you know, your competitive weight class, you know, for a 40 or for a 24 hour weigh in, Typically, you have your weight class. I compete in the 148, but the majority of just being honest of the top level girls, they're walking around about at least 160 plus, right? Um, because you do a weight cut in order to make the weight like an MMA fighter would, something similar, and then you refeed, rehydrate, and then get yourself back up to your fight weight, right? To your competition mm -hmm. weight. So I was walking around about 171. And that's just honest. Like my body was just half the happiest it's ever been. It was responding so well. Like I had my diet dialed in. My stress was low. I was just building, 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 building. And I was talking to my coach. My coach is very calm. He's, you know, looks out for me. I was living with him at the time. And I kept telling him, I was like, Hey, Trevor, um, I'm, do I need to dial back on my nutrition? Do I need to kind of put myself in a little bit, you know, deficit? What do you think? He's like, you're good. And I was like, uh, you sure did? Because this is kind of <laughs> heavy. Like 171 is kind of big for a 148, you know? <laughs> and like, he just bit. was like so calm about it. So calm about it. And I was like, this was new territory for me. So instead of letting my anxiety go wild, I just let it happen. Right. I have like two friends at this time. And I was like, I called them and I was like, um, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know I got to, like, there's not another option. I never said I couldn't. I was just like, I don't know how, but I will find a way. <laughs> and like right. one of my friends, she was like, I kept doing it. And like I was calling, I'd talk to him. I'd be like, basically as an affirmation to myself, I'd be like, I know I don't, I don't know how, but I know I'm going to do it. And like, I just need somebody to be like, yep, you got this. You know what I'm saying? Like pat on the back. Like somebody let me right. know I, I'm not crazy that I can do this. Like, how about your girl? 
but it's just wild like that. And then the day before weigh-ins, after I, you know, I'd cut down whatever the day, the day before weigh-ins, I was 158. I was 158 the day before weigh-ins and I flew on a plane, um, flew on a plane up to Ohio. I didn't have anything to eat, drink at all, spitting, doing the whole nine yards. And I ended up getting in the sauna, in and out, in and out, in and out, getting in the sauna. And like, I did as many sessions as I needed to get to weight. And I did it by myself. Like, and after I did it, I made weight and stuff. I was like, man, I did it. Like the whole time I didn't question myself. I was just like, man, I don't know how this is going to work because I've cut weight before, but I've never cut that kind of weight and especially been able to perform afterwards. Right. But I never asked how I just handled it day by day and whatever needed to be addressed. I did it. And so like, whatever that issue is, you just do it. And even if you don't know how to do it, just keep doing it and follow through and follow through and trust yourself. Cause if you say you can't, or if you put that limitation there, it exists, right. but it's always impossible until it's not. So don't ever just doubt yourself. Even if you don't know how to do it, do it anyway. You'll figure it out. That's right. Well, Bama, you're awesome. And thank you for taking this time. And I I'm told gonna... you it's like three hours later. And I told no. you I could sit here. I told you I could sit here and talk for 12 hours. So if you <laughs> want episode two, if you want episode two or to be continued, all you got to do is just let me know. <laughs> well, you're great. And congratulations on being so damn amazing. I guess that's all I can say. I would just say on being the strongest in the world. But man, you earned that shit. So man, yeah. you know what? Like, congratulate me on changing the world whenever we do it That's like right. and, and whenever I say that whenever we do it like we because I believe anybody like I appreciate you having me on the podcast I appreciate you having me on the podcast and I just appreciate other people that are trying to bring light to something that's just you know just something that's positive into the world no matter what it is in a sports realm you know in a mindset realm, whatever it is we're just trying to bring light like you're just trying to bring light and let people know that they can because this is you know an epidemic this would solve world hunger. This would solve, you know, obesity. This would solve all these problems, you know, with just hate crimes. All these things like this. I don't want to be a politician. I have no desire to be. But, like, all we need is just people to spread positivity and not worry about so much the negative, but just focus on the things that we can control and being a positive light into the world. Sell your own ship and just be your own light, you know? And that's one thing that just, I appreciate you having me on so I could, you know, sit on my soapbox and preach, you know, but... <laughs> Hey, church, church with Bama back at you. (laughs) But I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on. Anytime, anytime you want to have me again, all you got to do is let me know. All right, lady. Thank you. So before I go, you guys, I want to talk to you about my new book that's coming out in December. Yes, December seems like an eternity, but in the publishing world, December is like in a blink, dudes. So my next book is called The Year of No Nonsense, How a Little Less Bullshit Can Change Your Life. And I understand that the cuss word in the title may be a little off-putting to some people, but if you read the book, you'll understand why it's there. It's even better. It's a brave step for me, you guys. So what I need, so I don't make any money from this podcast. I don't ask for donations from this podcast, and I loathe podcasts that do, by the way. I think it's tacky. Um, I am still a Southern gentlewoman in my heart. Not really. But anyway, um, I'm asking a favor. This is episode, gosh, it's got to be 115. And I've been putting, this is, uh, you know, two and a half years into this podcast. I want you to help me with this book. I want people to love this book. I want people to buy this book. And I want to get this book in as many hands as possible. 
by publication day on December 17th. In the publication world, book sales are everything. And authors don't get rich on book sales unless you sell a million of them. So I just need some help. I need some help spreading the word about the podcast, about the year of no nonsense that's coming out in December, and just some grassroots love for what I've got going on. Because I have put in a lot of effort. This is going on 10 years. And this is my dream to like help other people get out of their own way, just like Bam had said in this podcast, just like I'm trying to do in my own life. I want to help people and I thoroughly, firmly believe that this book is going to help people. So we have a lot of time, but not a ton of time. So I just want you guys to think about it. Think about ways that you might could help with the publication and the promotion of this awesome book. I promise you, you won't regret it. We're going to have a great time in 2020 with the year of no nonsense. So if you have any connections or people that you could put me in touch with or any ways to do grassroots marketing of this book, let me know. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thank you all.